tell you one thing, if another green man pops out of me, I'm shooting first and asking questions later. They're coming to get you, Barbara. You are on the verge of destroying the entire universe. You're listening to Creeps in the Night with Sam and Logan. <laughs> Welcome everyone to episode 2 of Creeps of the Night. So sit back, pour your favorite poison of choice, and get naked, or whatever it takes to relax. Let us entertain you. So I'm Logan. I'm Sam. Sam. What, what do you got to tell me? This, this really freaked me out. Alright. Now, I'm, I, I'm in a past episode, you know, in our older podcast. I told the story about when I was in high school and I, and I told this kid that uh, he owed me a soul, like I bought his soul, mm-hmm. and he thought I actually did have powers to... To control his soul and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that story? Yeah, I do. I do. I remember that. Well, I, I started telling that story to to the people at work. Okay. And jokingly, one of the girls, uh, she said, "Well, you know, what? my life's kind of going downhill." Because she said, "You know, she had a boyfriend that was, you know, she had this really shitty boyfriend. Her life, you know, things were going on. She had these stomach problems all the time, and and she, you know, had to go to the doctors a lot." Mm-hmm. And just just a lot of stuff was going on with her life, and she's like, you know what? All negative. I, things. I'm apparently a lot of negative. Yeah, things. just negative things happening. And she says, you know what? I, I and jokingly because I told the story, she was like, well, I'll give you my soul if if because uh, I'm not doing really well with it. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we joked around like, okay, I was like, let me sign a contract. Let me make a contract, and we'll have you sign it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I made this dumb little contract, and I have her sign. I was like, all right, now I own your soul. Hmm, nice. And she was, and she was like, all right. So. After that happened, she said that she she got in a fight with her boyfriend, so she left him. Okay. It was like the final time she left him, right? And she's like, you know, when I left him, I felt like I didn't have to go back anymore. She like I didn't have to be a part of this. Hmm. And then she and then she uh, a couple days later she decided she quit work and she decided to go to school and she moved to a different state. Damn. And she basically her life changed within a matter of a week. Shit. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, "What the hell?" That's quick. So yeah, so she left, and and so I, I would I would text her and stuff, and she was over there, and she was like, "Oh, my life's going good. You know, I'm going to school, I'm having a good time. I got new friends over here, really, you know, mm-hmm. making, you know, doing really well." Yeah, things are looking up. But while that was, yeah, while that was happening, my life was getting shitty. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my stomach started hurting. Oh no! Yeah, so like I started having problems with my stomach. Oh shit! And. And you know, my job was the job was after she left. It got kind of you know she was one of the people that I really liked working with. Mm-hmm. And when she left, it just kind of got kind of sad there. Okay. And so like things just kind of felt negative all the time. Hmm. And so like a couple months went by. You know, I would text her and she'd be telling me how great her life was, and I'm looking at my life and I'm like, did did I just take on all her problems when I when I took over her soul? Well, she told you that, right? She said her life wasn't going good. Why don't you just take this? I'm not doing very well with it, right? Yeah, but like I didn't think it, you know it was a joke. Yeah, yeah, sure. I didn't think I had these powers. Oh shit! So I I don't know. I don't think I have these powers. Maybe it's just a mental thing. So so a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, you know, I can't because it's been a while, and and I decided it's like you know what? I, I I don't want this soul anymore. So I went to the backyard. And I thought, well, the best thing to do is probably just to burn it and say, like, I set you free, get back to you, back to your main person. Yeah, you go back, you go back, soul, because yeah, I don't want get you. The fuck out of here. So I did that. The next day, I started. My stomach actually started feeling better. <laughs> and I don't know what it is, but like all of a sudden, like I, I kind of had a better, you know, like I start. Life seemed more, more positive. So you had a better outlook. Things are starting to look a better up outlook. Again? Yeah. Okay. So I go to you know, and so I start going back to work, and and uh, you know things are getting a little better. And it turns out she decides she has to come back from that state from school. So she's dropped us, basically left school, came back, and this was after you burned had, the paper. Yeah, this is after I burned the paper. She came. She had come back, and now like. And she got back with her boyfriend. So, so just kind of curious, like how long after you burned the paper did she did she come back? She drop out and come back. It took it took a. Was it as quick as it was for her to leave? Yeah, it was. It wasn't. It was like within a week period of time, like what the, the same fuck? amount of time it took for it to happen. Yeah. 
Damn. So did she tell you why? I don't like, know. did she give you like any type of reasoning why well, she came well, she, back? Yeah, well, she said she she came back because her parents are getting divorced, and she had to come back and and help her mom with through this through this situation. Fuck. So basically, she just when she had given her soul to me, her life basically changed for the better. Mm-hmm. And then when I decided, without telling her, to give it back to her, yeah, you just fucking got, secretly voided yeah, the contract. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it came back to her, and now like my life's back to normal now. Okay, that's good. Normal's good, right? Yeah. So that's. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell you about that. But I just thought that was weird. That, I mean, like you said, you know, could it be power of the mind? You know, could it be like, yeah, you took it on, and she had told you her life wasn't going good, so you just kind of feel like you knew her problems already. So that's true. So could you so, like maybe I just start. Psyched yourself like, out, right? Subconsciously, yeah. Take, take, you know, deciding that I'm going to take, that's going to happen to me now because I, you know, I have her soul. Or, or you're the Antichrist. I think you're the that Antichrist. That could be. I, I think you're I the thought maybe that could be the, that could be possible. That's, that's more scientifically pl- plausible that you are the Antichrist <laughs> and has nothing to do with mind over matter. You are evil, sir. <laughs> Let's get it on. I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing on the reins of hell to, yeah. for everybody to, to be with. The four horsemen of the apocalypse are being led by you. Yep. Yeah. So it's funny because that's that's pretty much what we're going to talk about with our main topic is uh kind of it's kind of it's because we're we're going to be talking about uh new world order. The new world order. Yeah. Yeah, and they're the ones they're the ones bringing back the. Uh, the apocalypse, right? That's what they want to do. Uh, that's 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 the goal. We're gonna go through it. Well, it's gonna a lot. It's gonna be a lot to go through this, this afternoon or this show. But it's gonna be. Hopefully, people will stick around because there's a lot of big timeline that we're gonna hit up. But yeah, it's a lot of shit, man. It's gonna be a two parter. That's all I gotta say. All right, so let's get going with it. So let's go with the. We're gonna take a break and we'll do uh, the weird and wild. We'll be back in a second. It's time for Weird and Wild News. All right, thanks for coming back. I got this first story here. So, armed with flaming tampons. Yes, flaming tampons. <laughs> Two young Pennsylvanians attempted to blow up a vehicle after severely vandalizing it, according to police. The bizarre incident outside a bar at Metal Township resulted in the arrest of Patricia Deshong, 25, and Quentin Deshong, 22, on a variety of charges, including attempted arson, public drunkenness, and criminal mischief. According mm. to state police troopers, the Deshong seriously damaged a 2006 Ford Fusion. <laughs> Do they still make those? I don't know. <laughs> Ford Fusion? Yeah. I know. I haven't, I haven't seen one of those on the road I, I know. <laughs> Which had its windshield and windows either cracked or broken, was covered with dents, and had blood on the front passenger seat. I don't know where that blood came from since they were using wow. tampons. Yeah, I don't. The car is hooded. Should have been blood free for all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the car's hood was also open and various hoses had been disconnected. Fuck. <laughs> they did all kinds of shit. Disconnecting Damn. hoses. <laughs> uh, as for the flaming tampons, a probable cause affidavit notes that the investigators discovered that the gas cap was removed and tampons were used to possibly ignite the gas tank. Additionally, mm. additionally t- tampon was used in the engine compartment where the the oil cap is located. Since ashes were at the gas, since ashes were at the gas cap area and the oil cap fill area, troopers concluded that tampons had been set ablaze at each spot. Damn. So it, it doesn't really say why the songs allegedly vandalized the vehicle, but it was owned by by Fallon Clark, a 25-year-old woman whose Facebook page still includes Patricia DeShong as one of her friends, right? So I guess these are friends mm-hmm. of each other. But after okay. after hours after the car was trashed, a message on Clark's Facebook page noted that she was, quote, looking for some revenge. So I can't, oh. I don't, I don't, yeah, it's and a friend of, of Clark's, Gary Box, told troopers that Patricia DeShong had thrown a beer bottle through a rear w- window of his Ford F-150, yeah, the mm-hmm. affidavit does not specify when this alleged attack occurred, nor does it describe the relationship between the Deshongs. So it sounds like the Deshongs are pretty shitty people. So <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys are just pieces of shit all around. Yeah, yeah. But you know, after they got arrested, troopers discovered that Patricia was in possession of a license plate from the trash Ford, as well as the vehicle's registration card, 
And so she got charged with theft oh, as well. Oh, so she had a lot of evidence Yeah, on her, exactly. Huh? The dumb bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder who did it. Yeah. Oh, maybe the person with the license plate yeah. in the fucking car. <laughs> and, and the good thing about it, this is how, this is how good these people are, especially Patricia. Um, when, they, when they arrived at the police station, troopers reported that Patricia, quote, made threats stating that she was going to fucking kill a trooper following her release. <laughs> Jeez. Oh wow, God. classy broad. I know, man. This girl's got balls, huh? So she also got charged <laughs> with making terroristic threats. So yeah, twenty five thousand dollar bond. You know, they had to spend the night in jail, but uh neither Deshong responded to Facebook messages seeking comment about their alleged tampon torching attempt. So <laughs> <laughs> And you wonder why aliens don't come and visit us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fuck these humans. <laughs> Jeez. I got a story here. Speaking of piece of shit people, here this one was kind of funny though. Uh, a woman was arrested at McDonald's drive-through after she stopped there to get chicken nuggets in the middle of a savage police chase. Okay. So Joanna <laughs> G- G- Joanna Gardell, a, a 38-year-old from Massachusetts, was on the run after stealing a vehicle, and officers were pursuing her on a car uh, pursuing her on a car chase after getting reports as the cops spotted Gardell. She refused to pull over, and for the next two hours, she continued to run along, run away from the cops. So, <laughs> but during the chase, she ran red lights, uh, drove in the wrong direction, and rammed into several other vehicles, including two police cruisers. Oh yeah. The yeah, the local media outlet said a police officer was hospitalized with non threat with with lo- non life threatening injuries after she hit and dragged them. Wow. Shit. Um, ultimately, she stopped at McDonald's drive-thru to buy herself some chicken nuggets. <laughs> Thankfully, the cops were able to locate her using the GPS on her stolen truck. So she had to take a break. Fucking uh, hungry. This bitch ordering... was hungry. <laughs> Jeez. While she was ordering the chicken nuggets, they actually held her up. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up. I'm trying to get out of the country. Give me the fucking nuggets. <laughs> I need a 12-piece real fast. I don't fucking need this. So she reportedly uh, tried to run away from the cops after she saw them approaching her. (laughs) (laughs) She then hit a cop during the escapade, uh, but she eventually ended up tripping over a flower bed and was apprehended. (laughs) Fucking nuggets did her in. (laughs) I can just imagine, hurry up, <laughs> like her running, like trying to eat nuggets, and they're like flying all over the place. I know. Like she's like, <laughs> no. she's running away from the cops. Oh man, you know barbecue sauce. I, I do, you know, tripping I, on barbecue sauce. I've always <laughs> liked the chicken nuggets at, at McDonald's. I've always been a fan. I haven't had them for a while, but I've always liked them. So I can understand yeah. her plight. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I think of chicken nuggets, I always think of that one uh, video where they show the like some guys showing these kids how it's made, and it's like all gross because oh, it turns into you know it's like that, that pink slop. Oh, and it's like that pink slop, and all the kids are like, ugh, ugh. and then at the end he's like, "Well, who wants chicken nuggets now?" And they're like, "I do." Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. No. It didn't even fucking phase them. No, <laughs> I know. Give me some more poison, please. Jeez. <laughs> uh, that's 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 humans, right? That's like you said. That's why the aliens don't come. They know we're fucking stupid. <laughs> they know we'll fucking kill ourselves eventually. Yeah, pretty much. So I got this next story. After getting pulled over outside a Walmart in suburban Cleveland, a motorist sought to deter officers from the traffic stop by calling 911 to falsely report a shooting a few blocks from the retailer police charge. So, okay. Yeah, so according to investigators, Mohammed Kabir, 34, was driving Saturday afternoon when his vehicle was pulled over by South Euclid Police Department officer outside a Walmart supercenter. Kubir, who lives in nearby Cleveland Heights, was behind the wheel despite having a suspended driver's license and a vehicle with expired plates. Additionally, a two-year-old boy who was with his mother, <clears throat> who was with his mother in the car, was not in a child safety seat. In a misguided effort to avoid a series of traffic violations, Kabir called in a fake 911 call of a male being shot on a street near Walmart. Police report: The gambit was intended to deter the officers from the traffic stop, according to the police report. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't. Don't don't pull me over. Fucking go up there. There's a killing up there, right? It's <laughs> like they'll believe it. It's by a Walmart, so they'll, exactly. They'll go. Yeah, yeah. This happens all the time. <laughs> it has to be true. I know. Instead, a police dispatcher was able to ping the call caller of of the nine one one call back to Walmart 
and the phone number of the 911 caller matched the mail that was on the traffic stop. So that's how they figured out he was bullshitting. Oh, nice. So then he was arrested for making false alarms. He was arraigned Tuesday. So, yeah, this... I mean, that's ballsy, right? Like, he's just trying to, like, throw shade on somebody else, on anything else to get him out. You know, like, don't get me. <laughs> just to get away from, yeah. get away from that ticket. Yeah. <laughs> or a couple tickets, right? So, <laughs> instead, he just got in deeper. So, that sucks. I, I understand, you know, how he feels. Like, he's probably freaking out. But, jeez, man. Yeah. Sucks. It's always best just to take it. Take the punishment, man. It's hard. It, it's hard to do try, that. Yeah. Is the more you try to get away from it, though, it's always going to be worse. It is. You, and more likely, most people do not get away with that kind of shit. I know. So, yeah, <laughs> that's balls, though. I got to hand it to him. That's balls. I got a story here. Uh, this one's actually kind of interesting. I, I thought it was uh, pretty uh, pretty cool. So, uh, uh, Cho John Wang, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, an urban and environmental engineer, professor at the Olsen National Institute of Science and Technology, has designed an eco-friendly toilet connected to a laboratory that uses excrement to produce biogas and manure. So mm. these toilets pretty much power the building. So the BV toilet uses a vacuum pump to send feces into the underground tank, reducing water use. There, microorganisms break down the waste to methane, which becomes a source of energy for the building. Wow. Powering a gas stove, a hot water <coughs> boiler, and solid ox- or solid oxide fuel cell. Okay. Uh, they, they say the average person defecates about 500 grams a day, which can be converted to 50 liters of methane gas, the wow. environmental engineers said. This gas can generate 0.5 kilowatts of electricity or be used to drive a car for about 1.2 kilometers, which is 0.75 miles. Okay. Uh, Cho has devised a virtual currency called Jigu, which means honey in Korean. Each person uses an eco-friendly toilet, earns 10 jiguls a day. <laughs> so if you use the toilet, you get paid. I use the toilet uh, a lot. I'll get paid. <laughs> I know. You'd be rich. Fuck yeah. Uh, students could use the currency to buy goods on campus from freshly brewed coffee to instant cup noodles, uh, <laughs> fruits, and books. So the students can pick up the products they want at the shop and scan the Q- the QR code to pay with their uh, jiggles. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's not bad. See, we need people like that. Maybe the aliens will come. <laughs> <laughs> Just to use our toilet? Yeah, I know. I know. We like this guy. I like taking shits, and this guy's going to reward me for it. Why not? <laughs> The aliens are going to come to go so they can get jiggles to buy shit at their store. But I, I think that's pretty, that's pretty interesting that he's able to power up some stuff like that with just with his shit. No, that is that is pretty good. Um, I mean, I might as well. I mean, humans make waste. That's what we fucking do. So might as well recycle it somehow. I mean, I know they, you know, they go through processing plants and stuff like that. But I mean, for like you said, power. That's that's pretty amazing. That's a smart, innovative thing to do. Yeah, and almost a mile for, for what, like a couple shits? Yeah. Shit, I, I fucking have like 20 miles a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be able to drive to work. I know. I, I drive to Florida from Washington, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty good. That's that's cool. That's awesome. I'm glad somebody like that's doing something good. It's good to hear that. I know. It's about time. It's, yeah. it, it, you always hear all these dumb stories of like people just being stupid. Yeah, with their tampons and... Damn chicken nuggets. Yeah, I think it's good to hear you know somebody actually doing something for the world. That's good. That's good. Finally, that's good. All right, all right. So we're gonna take a break and we come back. We're gonna do five minutes of preppy. See you guys in a little bit. It's time for five minutes of creepy. All right, and we're back. This is five minutes of creepy, where we just tell you, we just sit here and just kind of tell you a story and let you, let you ponder, let you think what's going to happen, let you uh, be entertained. So this story is called the elevator. The elevator doors started to close behind me as the gruesome mob of the undead staggered closer. I could smell the pungent scent of decaying flesh in the air as they raced through the hotel hallway, stumbling towards me. The large elevator doors finally slide together as I scream, "Fuck off!" right before they shut with a deafening clang, protecting me from the horde of walking undead. I quickly hit the button for the roof, and the elevator begins to power up and starts moving. Exhausted, 
I plant myself on the floor, lay back against the wall. I could feel my lungs burning from the struggle and the mad sprint I had just gone through to escape. I try to relax and slow my breathing. I quickly whisper to myself a calming mantra, desperate to regain my composure. The mechanical sounds of the motors grind as the elevator passes through different floors. When all of a sudden, the power goes out, I'm left in the dark. A frightening silent minute goes by and all of a sudden the sounds of fingernails scratching against the metal doors echo through the elevator shaft. I can imagine them pushing and shoving, each tearing at each other. All of them are struggling for a chance to sink their teeth into my flesh. Their scratches sound like nails on a chalkboard. I cover my ears and sit in the darkness praying to a god that has forgotten his children as I try to keep my sanity. My heart slows down and the adrenaline pumping through my veins is weakened. The aches in my muscles emerge. I am fully aware of the sharp throbbing pain in my calf. I remember the small flashlight on my keychain and I quickly pull it out. I switch it on and place it in my mouth to free my hands. Gently I pull my pant leg up and examine my calf and it's just as I figured. I had been bitten. I could feel the blood draining out of my face and settle in the pit of my stomach. The sharp cold emptiness deep inside me swallowed any hope. I knew it was only a matter of time before I could become like the creatures crawling on the other side of the elevator door. You see, three weeks ago, I was sitting across from my wife at the breakfast table, eating my last piece of toast. I watched her as she casually strolled through her phone. She would glance up and catch me gazing at her and smile. I thank God that I got to tell her I loved her before I left for work. That was my last memory of her, before she turned into one of those things. Before she became rabid and tried to bite my arm. You see, after the virus broke out, other survivors would talk about how hard it was to kill their loved ones when they turned. But for me, I didn't have a problem with it. When I looked into her eyes, I knew she wasn't there anymore. It was her body, her mannerisms, but her soul was gone. So my last memory will never be repeatedly jamming a steak knife through her temple. But that last passionate kiss on the porch before I left work that morning. I started to feel stiff and it ached every time I breathed. My hands were getting clammy and I have this sensation of pins and needles on the back of my head. I ask myself, will I just fade into oblivion? Will I go to heaven as my body continues to walk the earth? As it decays and rots searching for its next victim? Or will I still be conscious of my actions but have no control over them? I sit in the darkness trying to come to grips with the cold hard fact that I'm already dead. I'm shaking from the inner cold and it's now piercing the core of me like a frigid steel blade penetrating my insides. I start dozing off and I see visions of my wife's face haunting me. She's smiling at me. I can smell her hair, the scent of the perfume. The tension that was overcoming me disappears. I can see her face when she's talking to me, or at least I see her lips moving, but can't make out her words. She sounds so muffled. I raise myself up to get closer, to make out what she's saying. Her beautiful blue eyes look deeply into mine. Then suddenly all of the color drains from them and they're milky white. Those dead eyes just penetrating my soul. Blood begins to trickle down her temple and her flesh begins to rapidly rot off her face. She snarls at me and snaps at my nose. God, I don't want to remember her this way, I scream. My voice echoes through the darkness of the elevator shaft, exciting the undead outside the doors. The moaning, grunts and scratches start up again. This time their horrible noises comfort me. Then I realize my heart is no longer beating. Am I still me? My thoughts are so jumbled. I try to focus on my memory of my wife. Only now, I just want to know what it would be like to eat her face. Oh, that was good. That was a good one. It's contemplation, the last remnants of your life yeah trying to like uh keep it together but just overpowering it's nothing more i think yeah i think it would just be keeper because you just know it's the end yeah (laughs) you don't know what's gonna happen i think that's basically what death is for anything that's that's rough you know because i mean if, if you think about it you know you're going to die you know there's nothing no chance for you and is it like would you, if you had a gun, would you just off yourself or would you just transition, let it go slowly? I don't know. I, you would, I would think it would, if I were to go, like if I had to die, mm-hmm. 
I would want to happen like in my sleep or like, you know, like a quick, like a car hit me and it, it's mm-hmm. just gone. So you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I had, if I know, like if someone tells like, oh, you have this disease or you have that and mm-hmm. you, you know, you have a couple months to live. I don't know if I'd want to go through that whole contemplation of like, it's like what's going to happen, you know, or you have to go through the degrees of, of different emotions, you know, to, 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 you know, digest what you have to go through. I, I, I think, I think most people would want it just to happen quickly. <laughs> Maybe. And then, but also I think on the flip side of that, people might say, you know what, I'm going to do the shit that I was always scared to do. I'm going to skydive. That's true. I'm going to fly to Europe. You know, I'm going to do this shit that I was, I'd never, now I don't give a fuck. Cause if I die doing it, I'm going to die anyway. Right. That's true. Yeah. So then, you yeah, might, there's that aspect too, where like if you, if you, nothing still to have, lose. you know, you know, you, yeah, you know I have that time, so maybe it's just live, yeah, live the way you never thought you'd live before. Exactly. Because you know you're, you're scared that you know, you wouldn't you're, be able to pay the bills or when you know, you're, or you were just you afraid job, of things, you, right? You know, a lot of people have phobias yeah. or just fears of things, and you know what? Fuck it. Like, I, there's no reason to be scared anymore. I have no reason. I have no. I give no fucks now. Yeah. So I, I think both ways are. I don't know, it's, and it's tough, because then and then will that bring regret or will that bring you know some gratitude? Like, hey. I missed out on this all my life, all these times, these things I could have done. I missed out on it. Or will it be like, you know what? Finally, I fucking did it. I feel good. I'm enjoying life. You know, it can be seen both ways. But like you said, I think a lot of people would always prefer to die in their sleep. You know, something simple yeah. and painless. That's always, I think that's that's probably the number one. If we took a survey, that'd be what the number one people would say. <laughs> people like, yeah, let's, let's just do it quick. Yeah. Get it over with. I don't think anybody says, let's get my nuts in a grinder and fucking... <laughs> You know, let's go out like a man. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. No. I don't know. I, to me, I was like, I. That's the way I think about it. I'd, I'd rather just be all of a sudden and not have to think about it. Yeah. Because I, there's, a, there's been many times where I'm like laying in bed in the middle of the night. I'm like, you start thinking about like, man, I'm not gonna be here forever. Mm. That's, that's kind of, it's fucking creepy. Dude, yeah. It's like, what happens? What happens after that? What, you don't know. Nobody knows. I know. And that's we what makes know, it so scary. That, that's like I said. That's the number one question that people have. You know, it's not Bigfoot. It's not Loch Ness. It's not aliens. I think it's afterlife. You know, what happens to us? What? Where do we go? Is there anything? You know. You yeah, got, it'd be even worse if you know that you're gonna be a zombie afterwards. It could be, right? <laughs> it could be. I, I don't know. That's that's a good question. You know, when your brain just you know you just basically rot from the inside out and. You're no longer in control of your extremities. Oof. That's tough. I've read a couple of books like that where, you know, people like, you know, um, fiction books, you know, like zombies. And, like, one of them was a guy that was basically, he had, like how you said, his the zombieism had taken over. And his he was in the behind. Like, now he was no longer in the driver's seat of the body. And he was watching everything mm-hmm. be done. And he was still there, but he no longer had control. And the zombie part of him, brain, had taken over and was, you know, was thirsting for meat, flesh, you know, whatever. Yeah. And... He was like trying to like like he didn't want to do anything. And it was the, the book was from the aspect of him, you know, being stuck behind, not being able to do anything. Oh, it, was, it was pure torture, right? To, yeah, having to watch all that stuff yeah. and not be able to control what you see. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awful too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he was like like he was he was conscious during it, but he was not in control, and you know that whatever the the germ had had taken over him. And so I think that's that'd be pretty hard, right? That'd be really hard. So. That, that would be awful. I know. <laughs> I, would, I think I'd rather just die. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you're dead, you're done. I know, exactly. Like, no longer exist. Yeah, let me go. Somebody shoot me or something in the head. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, take a break. and we come back, we'll do the main topic, which is the New World Order. Part one. Part one. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around for the New World Order. So I think it's pretty important to understand that the goal of New World Order is not necessarily to give power to one specific person or or, or to one specific, you know, group of people to follow a law. But over, it's they, it's it's a, an idea, an ideology, right, mm-hmm. of, of what they want to achieve. Now, the basic concept behind this ideology is that the power, that power in law, like, that societies have or no longer given to like a group like a full government but rather you know smaller group actually a small group 
you know, to, to like strip, you know, countries, nations of their power um, to govern the people, like in a small mm-hmm. amount of people. And I'll get into that. But there's, there's a there's a worldwide conspiracy, you know, that's being orchestrated by an extremely powerful and influential group that include many of the world's wealthiest people, top political leaders, corporate elite. Um, they also say the British crown is involved. You know, they have their hands in it. Mm. But what they want to do, what these peoples, you know, this elite people want to do is create a, a fascist one world government, you know, stripping all boundaries, you know, regional boundaries, uh, nationalism, you know, anything mm. that, that would impede their power, you know, and, and make the make the masses follow their agenda. So their intention is to is complete control over every human being on the planet. And the way, the better way to do that, right? Because there's a lot of people, you know. We have this. Mm. They want to, they want to reduce the population by 6.5 billion down to 500 million. So it's easier to control a smaller group rather than a huge group, right? I mean, it's yeah, common we, sense. People are just kind of like in the corners of the earth where you can't, yeah, you, even know they're there. Yeah, you can't. There's still, there's, there's still like, uh, <laughs> there's still cultures that that, you know, don't even know. Yeah, they live out in the United their, States. Exists. Yeah, yeah, they live out in the boonies. And exactly. It's totally they're secluded. Still like hunting, hunting. Yeah, hunting people with, with spears and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea. They don't know about airplanes or telephones or nothing. Nope. Nope. And they're and they. I'm sure they do have like certain diseases, but they also don't have a lot of them that we have. You know, they don't. They don't. They don't, they don't have deal diabetes. with diabetes. No, exactly. So, the term "new world order," you know. It's a term frequently used today when referring to, you know, this this group of people that want this control. So we're going to go through this, the history of this. You know, I'm going to go through how it started, you know, and, and, and how it's broken down. But there's a lot of people that are involved in this dangerous, you know, spider web of elite conspirators. It's, it's a lot. So we'll start out <clears throat> 1773 with Meyer Armshaw Rothschild. So we've heard the name Rothschild, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a common yeah common name with the elites. Yes. So Rothschild assembles twelve of his of his most influential friends and convinces them that if they all pull together their resources, they can rule the world. Now this meeting takes place in Frankfurt, Germany, and Rothschild also informs his friends that he has found a perfect candidate to lead this. Right, somebody with incredible intellect and ingenuity, mm-hmm. and this person that he has, you know, planned to run it is is Adam Weishaupt. So, May first, seventeen seventy six, three years later, Adam Weishaupt, his code name is Spartacus. So, Weishaupt establishes a secret society called the Order of the Illuminati. So, Weishaupt is a professor of canon law at the University of Ingolstadt in Bavaria, which is part of Germany. Mm-hmm. And the Illuminati seek to establish a new world order. Now, they have seven objectives. They are to abolish of all ordered governments, abolish of private property, abolish of inheritance, abolish mm-hmm. of patriotism, abolish of family, abolish of religion, and, of course, number seven is the creation of the world government. It's a lot of shit they want to get rid of, huh? <laughs> so, yeah, I... Some of them are not too bad. I don't mind if they got rid of religion; it'd yeah. probably be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the patriotism, yeah, I can do without that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the. Uh, you mean New England Patriots, I, right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> th- those guys can go too. Yeah. Um, but the. <laughs> uh, the uh, the private property one, uh, that kind of that kind of. Yeah, I kind of want that, right? You kind of want some. Yeah. So, July seventeen eighty two, the Illuminati, the Order of the Illuminati joins forces with Freemasonry at the Congress of Wilmshelmbad. So an attendee of the conference comes away pretty shaken. And when they, when questioned about the tragic secrets that this attendee um, heard about, he replies, quote, I will not confide them to you. I can only tell you that all this is very much more serious than you think, unquote. So... From this time, according to the biographer, the attendee can only speak of Freemason me with horror. So I guess whatever you heard was really, really creepy. You know, really mm. unsettling. 1785, the Illuminati courier named Lands is struck by lightning and killed while traveling by horseback to the town of Radisbon. 
When Bavarian officials examine the contents of his saddlebags, they discover the existence of the Order of the Illuminati and find plans detailing the coming French Revolution. Mm. The Bavarian government attempts to alert the government of France of the impending disaster, but the French government fails to heed his warning, and Bavarian officials arrest all members of the Illuminati they can find. But of course, the main Spartacus, Adam Weishaupt, and others have gone underground and they cannot be found. Right? This guy's like, fuck. You know, oh, so they found out their secret plans. Before yeah, they had a chance to. Yeah, this guy had this, them. this guy had planned. It was basically a detailed plan of the French Revolution before it happened. Right, so. Mm. So then, 1796, the Freemasonry. The Freemasonry becomes a major issue in the presidential election in the United States. John Adams won the election by opposing Masonry, and his son John Quincy Adams warns of the dire threat of the nation posed by the Masonic lodges. He says, I do consciously and sincerely believe that the order of Freemasonry is not the greatest, if one of the greatest moral and political evils, which under the Union is now laboring. So he, he they recognize that Freemasonry is becoming a big problem. You know, like these ideologies are, it's like two factions are being formed. Okay, so, you know, that, so there's the, the, new there's world the Freemasons order. and then there's the, the Illuminati. So two different yeah, but they're kinds. all... They're, they're two different, but they're in cahoots, right? They're all working with New World Order. So we'll get a oh, little so bit... They're... Yeah, they're all part of New World Order. And like I said, John Adams, he he, uh-huh. he, he went against it, right? He's saying that these fuckers are evil, right? Okay. These What what they're planning, you know, what it's they're an, doing... Isn't American at all. Yeah, it's, it's evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so in 1797, John Robison... John Robison is a professor of natural history at Edinburgh University in Scotland, and he publishes a book entitled Proofs of a Conspiracy, in which he reveals that Adam Weishaupt had attempted to recruit him. He exposes the diabolical aims of the Illuminati to the world. So there's one guy that didn't take, you know, didn't want to join him, and he, he wrote a book about it. In okay. 1821, George W.F. Hegel formulates what is called the Hegelian dialect. So the process by which the Illuminati objectives are achieved, right? This is what this is. This guy creates it. So according to the Hegelian dialect, thesis plus antithesis equals synthesis. You got that? <laughs> thesis plus antithesis. <laughs> I don't know what you said, but I don't like it. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So in other words, first, this is this is what he's saying. First, you must format a crisis. Okay. Then there is an enormous public outcry that something must be done about the problem. So you mm. offer a solution that brings about changes you really wanted all along, but which people would have been unwilling to accept initially. Like nine eleven. Like nine eleven. Remember COVID. the Patriot. Remember the Patriot Act. Remember they pushed yeah, that through. Yeah, Patriot Act. Well, we're doing this to keep you safe. Remember, we're, we're going to take away your your privacy, yeah. but it's to keep you safe. You know, it's like that. Or even the COVID. Yeah, everything. Right. A lot of all things that, that have happened. Man. man. Yep. So in eighteen, so that 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 guy is the one who created that. Like, hey, this is. I mean, again, these are smart people, right? These are these are brilliant things that they're thinking of, but they're just, you know, unfortunately, it's for, you know, their own personal gains. So Meyer, eighteen twenty, Meyer Amschel Rothschild, who finances the Illuminati, expresses his utter contempt for national governments which attempt to regulate international bankers such as him. He says, "Allow me to issue the control." Allow me to issue and control the money of a nation, and I care not who writes the laws. Right? So these guys, these guys are not going to go after banks. Right? They're going to go after anyone that's that's against them. Big, big companies. 1848. Moses Mordecai Marx Levy. We all have heard of Marxism, right? Karl Marx. Mm, okay. So <clears throat> this is Karl Marx, and he writes the Communist Manifesto. So Marx is a member of the Illuminati front organization called the League of the Just. He not only advocates economic and political changes, but he advocates moral and spiritual changes as well. He believes mm. the family should be abolished and that all children should be raised by a central authority. Oh, that's weird. He expresses his attitude towards God by saying, quote, We must war against all prevailing ideas of religion, of the state, of country, of patriotism. The idea of God is a keynote of a perverted civilization. It must be destroyed, unquote. So remember, remember some of the rules at the beginning, you know, get rid of religion, get rid of family. Yeah, religion, yeah. Yeah, this is, yeah, like, fuck, these kids don't need, they need to be raised by an authoritarian state, man. <sighs> Basically robots, right? Yeah. 
It's like China. <sighs> Man. So January 22nd, 1870, Albert Pike. In a letter to an Italian revolutionary leader, Giuseppe Mazzini, Albert Pike, the sovereign grand commander of the southern jurisdiction of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, announces the establishment of a secret society within a secret society. He says, We must create a super right, which will remain unknown, to which we will call those Masons of high decree of whom we shall select. With regard to our brothers in Masonry, these men must be pledges to the strictest secrecy. Through this supreme right, we will govern all Freemasonry, which will become the one international center, the one more powerful because its direction will remain unknown. So basically he's saying, um, it's, it's basically the new and reformed paladin right, which is like 90% of, it's like saying the whole group of Masonry, 95% of the men involved don't know, don't have a clue what, what, the, what the group's about. The other 5% mm -hmm. are the ones who know, and they're the ones who are going to guide everything. Keep everyone else in the dark. Let these 5% okay. know, right? <clears throat> and so, and and, 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 it, and it'll be like, the other those 95% will be under the delusion that it's just a fine community organization, you know, helping people, helping the community. But they don't really know shit, right? Keep them in the dark. Best way to do it, right? In case you don't want anyone to have any type of moral... You know, fabrication like, oh man, we can't be doing this, right? Just keep them in the dark. Let them do, have them do things without them really knowing what they're doing. That's smart, right? Yeah, yeah, because you mean you can control everything. Exactly. Easier, yeah. 1875, Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. She's a Russian occultist, and she founds the Theos Theosophical Society. So, Madame Blavatsky claims that Tibetan holy men in the Himalayas who referred who she refers to as the Masters of Wisdom, communicated with her in her London in London by telepathy. She insists that the Christians have it all backwards, that Satan is good and that God is evil. She writes that the Christians and scientists must be made to respect their Indian betters. The wisdom of India, her, her philosophy and achievement, must be made known in Europe and America. So again... Mm, oh, I've heard that theory too, where like... All the stuff with like the Bible and all that stuff is like pretty much. I, if you kind of read the Bible, it's it's kind of a lot of it's pretty evil. <laughs> so, it's been a while since I've read it, but <clears throat> but it's been a while since I've read it too. But like, like the one I think about the stuff that went on there, I mean, God doesn't seem that great. I mean, he seems pretty pretty fucked up. Yeah, he doesn't even seem like the same person in most. Of, <laughs> like if you go through like Old and New Testament, mm -hmm. it's like he he contradicts himself a lot. So it's almost like. It's like funny. It's a, yeah, he's a, it's a big contradiction, right, on a, on itself. But what's weird, though, is that, like, when I talk to guys that are really religious, they're like, no, it's total peace and everything. And they try to tell me that the Quran is, is, is pure evil. And when I mm -hmm. talk to people who are Muslim, they're like, no, you know, like, we're not, you know, the the, the really extreme, like, jihadist type, you know, just ex like Saudi Arabia, where, you know, they have to be covered. They said, mm -hmm. no, it's not supposed to be like that, you know. We don't we don't teach shit like that. That's bullshit. Those people are fucking nuts. It's I don't know. It's it's weird. It's just I just feel like if there's ever something you know that you can control the masses with, which is like religion, it's perfect, mm. right? <clears throat> it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because you can you can make people do whatever you want, horrible things. Yeah, yeah. In the name of God, horrible things in the name of God. Yeah, yeah. that's what that's what's so crazy. About well, it. I think I think most of the people, most of the wars have been fought over God. So you know, fucking go figure. Yeah, so is he evil or is he good? It, it, I don't know. It, it, he seems more of an evil person to me. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Jeez. So in 1884, the Fabian Society is founded in Great Britain to promote socialism. The Fabian Society takes its name from the Roman general Fabius Maximus, who fought Hannibal's army in small debilitating skirmishes rather than attempting one decisive battle. Right? So it's, you know, it's a smart, smart, you know, general you know, little pieces here and out, but <clears throat> that's where they, they were founded. July 14, 1889, Albert Pike reveals who is a true object of the Masonic worship. So Albert Pike issues instructions to his 23 Supreme Council of the World on July 14, 1889. He reveals who is a true object of the Masonic worship. He says, To you, Sovereign Grand Instructors, Generals, we say this, that you must repeat it to the brethren of the 32nd, 31st, and 30th degrees. The Masonic religion should be, by all of us, initiates of the high degree, maintained in the purity of the Luciferian doctrine. 
I'm telling you, these guys, it, when you when you hear about, like, the history of, like, you know, like, the first, you know, a lot of the um, first colonizers, you know, of the New World, mm-hmm. none of them were Christian. Like, I don't know where they get that from, but none of these guys, these guys were more, like, into Wiccan and mm-hmm. all this shit. So, this stuff this seems seems legit. I don't know. <laughs> it's, so, 1890 to 1896, Cecil Rhodes is an enthusiastic student of John Ruskin. He's... Pr- is the Prime Minister of South Africa, a British colony at the time. He is able to exploit and control the gold and diamond wealth of South Africa. He works to bring all the habitable portions of the world under the domination of a ruling elite. To that end, he uses a portion of his vast wealth to establish the famous Rhodes Scholarships. So then we have 1893, the Parliament of World Religions held in Chicago. So the Theosophical Society sponsors a Parliament of World Religions held in Chicago. The purpose of the convention is to introduce Hindu and Buddhist concepts such as belief in reincarnation to the West. So again, it seems like none of these guys are Christian. Like, I, they're not Christian at all. So so are these, are these all people, like, these are in the Illuminati? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah, these are all part of it, and they're, they're all, like... Um, these are all little pieces that are like like one big piece, and they're a- adding to it, right? This is uh-huh. this is basically unfolding how everything is getting to today. You know, this is I'm going through a timeline, okay. <clears throat> but these are all like I said. Remember the original seven rules? These are all like how they're they're coming up with all these how oh, to do it. Oh, I see. Like they're, they're making like little everything's like a piece to a puzzle. Exactly, and the puzzle's being to created. Get to- to get to their main goal exactly which is you know oh, okay you know I see, I see control the masses right these are all little pieces so 1911 the socialist party of great britain publishes socialism and religion so they publish a pamphlet called called socialism and religion in which they clearly state that their position of on christianity is quote it is therefore a profound truth that socialism is a natural enemy of religion a christian socialist is in fact an anti-socialist Christianity is the antithesis of socialism. So again, these guys, them and the religions, they know that it controls the masses and they're using it. So in 1912, Colonel Edward Mandel House is a close advisor of President Woodrow Wilson, publishes Philip Drew, Administrator, in which he promotes socialism as dreamed by Karl Marx. So again, remember Karl Marx was against families, mm. authoritarian state yeah. rights. These guys believe in that shit. February 3rd, 1913, the 16th Amendment to the to the U.S. Constitution, um, making there was a ratification making it possible for the federal government to impose a progressive income tax, is ratified. Plank number two of the Communist Manifesto had called for a progressive income tax. In Canada, the income tax is introduced in 1970 as a temporary measure to finance the war effort. Again, they're changing the rules, man. They're changing the rules. So now, 1913, mm. President Woodrow Wilson publishes The New Freedom, in which he reveals, so this is what he says, quote, Since I entered politics, I have chiefly had men's views confided to me privately. Some of the biggest men in the U.S., in the field of commerce and manufacturing, are afraid of somebody, are afraid of something. They know that there is a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive, that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in con- when they speak in condemnation of it. So he's basically yeah. saying the biggest guys are scared of something. They're scared of this group, this, this secret group mm-hmm. that even the biggest boys on the block are afraid of. Okay. So, <clears throat> in December twenty third, nineteen thirteen, the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve, which is neither a federal nor a reserve, rather it's a privately owned institution, is created. It was planned at a secret meeting in 1910 by, on Jekyll Highland, Georgia, by a group of bankers and politicians, including Colonel House. This transfers the power to create money from the American government to a private group of bankers. Right? They're taken away from the government, given to this private group. Mm-hmm. The Federal Reserve Acts, Act is hastily passed just before the Christmas break. Congressman Charles A. Lindbergh Sr., who's the father of the, of, of the famed aviator, warns, this act establishes the most gigantic trust on earth. When the president signs this act, the invisible government by the money power, proven to exist by the money trust investigation, will be legalized. So they're basically, mm. right? It's like, fuck, this is going to be a problem. 1916, President Wilson, Woodrow Wilson observes, 
So three, three years after signing the Federal Reserve Act into law, Pedro, President Woodrow Wilson observes, I am a most unhappy man. I have unwillingly ruined my country. A great industrial nation is controlled by its system of credit. Our system of credit is concentrated. The growth of the nation, therefore, and all other activities are in the hands of a few men. We have come to be one of the worst ruled, one of the most completely controlled and dominated governments in the civilized world. No longer a government by free opinion, no longer a government by conviction and the vote of the majority, but the government by the opinion and the duress of a small group of dominant men. So now he realizes mm, so, he fucked up. So at this point, <clears throat> he, he thinks that he, he knows that the, that the world's pretty much controlled by only a few people. Exactly. By 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 doing what he's doing, signing that last act, um, you know, with the Federal Reserve and everything, he he, he mm. knows now he's under their boot, right? He no longer has power. He's ba- it's basically saying like we, like a lot of people say, the president's just a puppet, right? Yeah, President Billy doesn't have anything. It's just the illusion of choice. Exactly, exactly. Let the people believe it. That's exactly that's a good way of saying it. So, nineteen seventy, V.I. Lenin. So, with aid from the financier financiers in New York City and London, V.I. Lenin is able to overthrow the government of Russia. Lenin later comments on the apparent contradiction of the links between prominent capitalists and communism. He says There's also, there also exists another alliance, at first glance a strange one, a surprising one, but if you think about it, in fact, one which is well-grounded and easy to understand. This is the alliance between our communist leaders and your capitalists. So this has to do. Remember the Haligian dialect that I t- talked about earlier. This this mm-hmm. has yeah. This is again. Remember these all. These guys are all like building off of each one of their, you know, previous you know doctrines. Mm-hmm. So in 1919, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, prominent British and American personalities established the Royal Institute of, in- of International Affairs in England and the Institute of International Affairs in the U.S. at a meeting arranged by Colonel House attended by various Fabian socialists, including noted, noted economist John Maynard Keynes. So then, in 1920-1931, Louis T. McFadden, he's a chairman of the House of Banking and Currency. Concerning the Federal Reserve, Congressman McFadden notes, when the Federal Reserve Act was passed, the people of the United States did not perceive that a world banking system was being set up here. A super state controlled by international bankers and international industrialists acting together to enslave the world for their own pleasure. Every effort has been made by the Fed to conceal its powers, but the truth is the Fed has usurped the government. It controls everything here, and it controls all of our foreign relations, and makes and breaks governments at will. So this was, this was he was concerned with you know the country's acceptance of FDR's New Deal, and he asserts that it was no accident. It was a carefully controlled contrived occurrence the international bankers sought to bring about a condition of despair here so they might emerge as the rulers of us all so basically like you said money rules the world and these bankers these few bankers are in control of everything Mm. so i'm just about done so in 1921 council of foreign relations the cfr so again colonel house or reorganizes the american branch of the institute of international affairs into the council of foreign relations for the past 60 years, 80% of the top positions in every administration, whether Democratic or Republican, have been occupied by members of this organization. So, like a lot of people say, the Democrats and Republicans both, on on, on you know, on the top, they act differently, but both below, they're the same fucking people, right? They just mm-hmm. they're ruled by these, these this new world order. So this last one here in December 15, 1922, the CFR endorses world government. So, like I said, the Council of Foreign Relations, the CFR, endorses world government in its magazine called Foreign Affairs. Author Philip Kerr states in The Foreign Empire to Commonwealth, he says, Obviously, there is going to be no peace nor prosperity for mankind as long as the earth remains divided into 50 or 60 independent states. Until some kind of international system is created, the real problem today is that of world government. So basically saying, well, we got a problem as long as there's all these, like you said earlier, as long as there's all these people everywhere that we can't control, there's too many of them, you know, we need to do away with that. We need one world, you know, one government to control everything, right? An authoritarian state. So I know this is a lot to chew on. Uh You know, I, I feel like, you know, we had to, we'll continue next week on part two of it. 
I don't know if you have anything mm-hmm. else to to add to it, but I mean, no, it's kind of interesting just uh, how how it kind of connects and like slowly progresses into what what they have going on today. Because like like even growing up when I was a kid from from now, like I, I see a lot of the stuff that they're talking about actually come come to pass. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like it's like. Yeah, you got like the you got like our government like we have like Republicans and Democrats and they're they're essentially the same thing. I know, but they but let they people act like think they're not. Yeah, they act. Yeah, they let people, people think, think that they they're... have this. You have this choice <coughs> exactly. when you're when you're just yeah, and then both of them are just basically trying to fuck us over, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter which one. I know. They're both trying to fuck us over, like the like the government doesn't give a shit about about the its people. It only gives a shit about giving power to a certain people mm-hmm. and maintaining that power. Like, yeah, yeah, and then so now you have all these corporations that that control everything. They you know they they fund they give money to the politicians and they, you know they they make our water dirty and they 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 feed us garbage food and mm-hmm. and and they just wait for us to die. Yep, and you they know, line they their just pockets. Want us to be sick and die. Yeah. Well, yeah, we get, get sick richer. and then we have to go to the doctors and then the you know all those insurance companies get a lot of money, right? It's just kind of like a big, big fucking. It's just a huge. Ponzi scheme. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, you know, we'll go over th- more of it next week. You know, we'll get more to current times, but it's it's a lot to chew on, and I didn't want to overwhelm everyone. So, but like you said, you know, when you said that certain companies rule things, remember we talked about last week, Monsanto. Mm-hmm. You know, those fucking guys have their hands in all kinds of shit. Like, they're not doing anything good with. You know, they're not trying to help. It doesn't seem like they're trying to help anybody. They're just mm. they're lining their pockets no. with their fucking poisons. So. They're like Nestle, you know, trying to control the water and, yeah. and making poor people pay for it. And it's like, it's, it's like, it's I don't know. Right. It's not it's, cool. Yeah. It's either, either people are going to get tired of it and there's going to be some sort of huge evolution or I, I'm afraid that they're just going to have control over it. No matter what, there's going to become one day, there's going to be a world government and we're all going to be just this cog in the machine. Well, which I, mean, I think a lot of us are. And, already and kind of i kind of feel like you know this whole covert thing i feel like to me just my own personal opinion like this is maybe like a, a first test you know let's see how the world reacts mm-hmm. yeah let's see know. what we get people to do exactly and, let's see how we can control see, the masses you know. let's see what we can achieve let's see how how people act you know we gotta we gotta you know we gotta have a control you know that's how they make their decisions through tests you know how, how does this work what will we do yeah let's see let's see what see what happens if we do this mm-hmm. and, and so I, I can i can I don't know if they consider this happen, a success yeah. or a failure, but yeah, it's it's scary. Like mm-hmm. you said, one day we might wake up and all of our rights are gone. You know? It's, it's yeah, too- I mean, it's it's, it's possible. And, like, and I, what are you gonna I'm do? Growing up, I didn't think. Growing up, I didn't think it was possible. Now, I I I could see it. Yeah. I mean, because it's gonna come. Like, there's people are talking about like shortages, food shortages coming. You know, um, banking systems going down. Just. Mm-hmm. You got shipping supply going down. Just a lot of things, you know, things are going up in price because they can't can't get stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. chip shortages yeah. for cars. Yeah, demand. Yeah, it's just it's just becoming crazy right now. So I can see, you know, I can see society falling at this point. Like I, it before I never thought it was like this is America, man. This, this shit doesn't that shit doesn't happen. Yeah. But now I'm like now I'm like this is America. This is where it can happen. Yeah, like no, like no place will be immune to it. And again, no, you just gotta like you said they want to get the masses down to 500 million. I mean that's nothing. That's like six percent. You know, you know four percent of the of the population. You know, and it's like yeah. It's I not- I think sometimes it, it might be it not it's not a bad thing because <laughs> I mean maybe the Earth can sustain us, you know? all of us. Yeah, the Earth it, maybe there sustain. is too many of us. Maybe maybe it needs to be maybe that needs to be done to to actually whoever's still alive you know actually live well mm-hmm. but maybe we're getting to the point where we're just overpopulating but you know what the, the earth usually has a way to to take care of that yeah it's like it, it, it controls population by itself yeah and it probably it does a better job than we do yeah mother earth will eventually say fuck you guys reset yeah time to reboot Be a giant fucking firestorm and everybody's <laughs> taking mm-hmm. everyone <laughs> yeah and, th- and like you said those who survive are you know in, they they deserve to to live on, right? Well, yeah. They, I mean, it's it's happened before. I mean, mm-hmm. there's 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 been there's evidence like in like Big DNA that says that there, there's like events. yeah, there's been things where where the or 
our ge- our genetics have like bottlenecked at some point where there's only so many people, you know. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we're we spread out again like cockroaches. Yeah, but eventually, yeah. Yeah. So, so prepare for the end. No. <laughs> prepare for the. End. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, that's enough scaring the shit out of ourselves tonight. Uh, thanks, everyone, uh, for getting creepy with us. Uh, thanks for listening, and the world doesn't end by then. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.